All right, you guys. Hi, I am so excited for the message that God's prepared for us to dive into um, today. And I just want to start with a question. What is God saying today? Um, this is a time that you and I, as the children of God, we need revelation. We need divine guidance uh, by the Holy Spirit um, as we dive in and know and live by the Word of God, the Bible. Um, in the book of Amos, that's one of the books that we went through this last week, Amos, Hosea, Micah, big chunks of scripture. Um, one of the phrases in Amos that kept popping up that I just love is, the Lord God of heaven's armies. The Lord God of heaven's armies. It, it, it kind of repeated multiple times. And I started going, Lord, what does the Lord God of heaven's armies have to say about these times? Because these times, again, as I've been telling you, unprecedented as everyone is calling it, which is true, but I say it is prophetic times uh, that we are living in. So what does the Lord God of heaven's armies say about this time of crisis, um, about this pandemic? I don't know if you're following, but uh, the UN is now coming out saying that there is looming famine um, on a world scale, and they're calling it, quote, their words, a biblical biblical proportions. Uh, you've got economic collapse um, also that's being talked about. And again, this is a world event. Um, and, and this pandemic and this crisis that we're living in is changing the entire world. We're, we're already in it. It is changed. Um, uh, in the book, though, of Amos, one of my favorite scriptures shows up. And it basically says that God does nothing without telling his prophets first. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. None of this is catching him off guard. And he's telling his prophets, he has told his prophets what he is doing. The Bible throughout uh, scripture, throughout time, throughout history, gave predictions prophecies and tells us the future. The Bible tells us what is happening, tells us when things are going to happen, and he also tells us how. Uh, Isaiah 46.10 is a good verse to look up and circle and highlight in your Bibles and know in this time. Basically, it says that he has told us the end from the beginning. So uh, again, hallelujah. We are not caught unaware. We are supposed to know the times and the seasons that we are living in and what we should do. Uh, the Word of God has never failed. Never. It's never failed and never will. He holds His Word above His name. The Word is our only guidance. This is what we need to be looking for. When we're looking for what's going on in the world, what are we doing, where are we going, what's happening, and fear starts rising, you ground yourself and you go and you dig in the Word of God because it tells us what's going to happen. The Word of God has foretold and predicted 
all the major world events that has ever taken place and that are taking place now and will take place in the future. The future, what time is it? And then it tells us how to prepare for that time that you find yourself living in. Hosea was one of the books that we went over um, this last week. And I want you to hear this verse. Um, It's uh, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. And it says, this is God speaking through his prophet, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, it doesn't say my people are destroyed or perish for lack of power. My people are destroyed or, or perish for lack of provision. My people are destroyed for lack of, and you fill in the blank, whatever you think could fit there. Uh, but, but what he says, and God is speaking, he goes, my people perish. So this isn't outside um, of, of those who are following God. He's talking about those who actually belong to him, who follow him. My people perish. My people are destroyed for lack of of knowledge. Lack of knowledge of what? Lack of knowledge of the headlines uh, uh, and, and the latest news or what your governor and your state is telling or whatever country you're in and, you know, prime ministers and things and keeping up on the news headlines. No, not knowledge of those things. What, what's the latest CDC guidelines? How can we catch this virus now, you know, and, and what other precaution measures do we need to take for lack of not no. It says it's for lack of knowledge of his word. That's why God's people perish. Uh, It says, for lack of knowledge of his word, the law of God. It even says at the end of that scripture, for you have rejected this knowledge. That's God's own people rejected the knowledge of God. And, uh, and this is a warning for you and for me today here in the ancient scrolls, the book of Hosea. His prophet is still speaking to you and I today. We don't want to perish. We don't want to uh, be destroyed. So the Lord God gives us the antidote for that. He says, don't reject the knowledge that I give you. And it's found in my word because it's alive and it's relevant. It gives you revelation. It gives you what you need for the times that you find yourself living in. And listen, we're so ignorant in the church of the devices of the enemy. The the scriptures tell us, I don't want you to be ignorant of the plans and the schemes of the enemy. The devil knows, he knows this. He knows how God's people perish. See, the devil, he's going to use the crisis, as we know, to grip us with fear, to keep us locked on the latest headlines uh, and and, uh, the things that the fear mongering that's happening right now. But God, if you look through scripture, God uses crisis to actually reveal his love. God uses crisis to reveal his power, his majesty, his glory. And you say, where do you see that, Annie? Many examples throughout the word of God. And he's doing it today if you allow him. And you're not being driven and led by that spirit of fear, but you're looking to him. He showed in Egypt. And this is something that the, 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 we need to be aware of. You know, I, I've kind of camped on that verse, Jeremiah 15, 19, that we've got to be able as the, the, the kids of God filled with his 
his word and led by his spirit to extract the precious from the vile. We're going to have to start using that discernment. We're going to have to grow up in the gifts of God that he's given to us. And so one way is you need to realize that the enemy wants to work at the very exact same time that the Lord God is working. Um, So just as God was judging Egypt. God was judging uh, the the greatest uh, power, the superpower of that day, the the uh, Egyptian nation, the Pharaoh there who saw himself as God, the gods that the Egyptians worshipped, and he was shaking Egypt, and he brought them all down to their knees and displayed that he was the one true living God, and that they were not. They all fell and toppled. But at the very same time that he was doing that, shaking everything that could be shaken and and bringing judgment because there was, it was a judgment on those false gods um, and enslaving his people and exposing them for, for what they were. God at the very same time was revealing his nature, his character. Like I said, his love, his majesty, his glory, his power to his kids. And God is doing that very exact same thing right now in this crisis. God wants you to look to Jesus right now, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, that he might actually reveal himself to you in a whole nother way in this crisis, in this time, and be strong on your behalf for those who rely on him, trust in him, follow him. Prophecy. We're going through the prophets right now. Um, next week, we're going to be in, in Isaiah. You know, we're going to get to Jeremiah. We're going to get to Habakkuk. We're all these different prophets and the major, minor prophets. That doesn't mean that the major prophets had a more a weighty word. It just means that their books were longer. Um, but we're going through the prophets right now. And I want to tell you, prophecy. Uh, there's been a lack of appetite for prophecy. I think it's picking up right now in this time of crisis that people have an aptitude, a want, and a desire for prophecy again. Um, But prophecy, it reveals the character of God. Um, It shows that he involves himself in the affairs of mankind, that corona and everything that is happening has not caught him off guard, that he is not far away, but he is very near and, and actually brings himself very close into the affairs that you and I are dealing with, the front page of your newspaper, the front page of America's newspaper. He's involved. He is orchestrating things always to his end and his ultimate plan. Okay, did you know the word apocalypse? Everyone, you know, even now it's gone outside, you know, of, of the, you know, the church and it's um, movies, you know, apocalyptic scenes and, you know, it kind of is synonymous with um, more the judgments, uh, things exploding, you know, the world coming to end. Are we in, you know, apocalyptic times? Uh, but actually, apocalypse means something that was formerly hidden and now it is disclosed. Like it's literally opened up. Something that seemingly, it was a mystery before. You might've had pieces, but you didn't totally know. And now all of a sudden that mystery is revealed. So the apocalypse is actually, it's in direct correlation in the book of Revelation and what its meaning was that Jesus Christ is revealed in those times in a way that the whole world will see, will know, and not be able to deny. 
and he's coming again soon. And this is good news. This is what you've got to feed yourself on. This is what you need to stir yourself up in. Um, he's near. Even at the door, the countdown has begun and we are, listen, so where are we at? Are we in apocalyptic times for the revealing of Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes, we are. He is coming soon. And all the world events that we are seeing were predicted and foretold in the Bible. We're watching the world on a a world scale as never before come one step closer. We're being conditioned right now as we speak for a one world currency, for a one world government, and, and for even a one world religion. So these are the things that the Bible already told us about. So we don't need to freak out and fret and fear. We see these things fast approaching. It was foretold. You already know. And we're watching it. It's happening right now in our day. We're closer than we've ever been. We're being conditioned. We're being trained for these things. The signs are all around us. They're breaking out on the scene at such a fast pace. It's hard to keep up with. The time has come for Jesus to come back. And that is what we are supposed to be focused on, is Him. To be focused on Jesus. Um, Again, because His coming is near and soon to be. Now, everybody, uh, when you start talking about kind of, you know, uh, the end times and, and one world governments and all those kinds of things. Everyone always just asks my dad, you know, Pastor Ray uh, or Sean or myself, um, you know, basically two questions. They want to know when the rapture of the church is going to happen. And then they also want to know who the Antichrist is. Um, but what the Lord has done is he has put throughout the Old Testament, hundreds of of verses and prophecies that are then put into order in the book of Revelation. So if you want to understand what to do, the times that you're living in, what God is speaking and revealing and what you're supposed to do in this season and time, you have to go over the whole counsel of God. And it's fascinating because here in the book of Hosea, which we're kind of gonna, I couldn't get out of Hosea, so we're camping in Hosea, which I recommend right now, grabbing a Bible if you can, opening it up to the book of Hosea, get a pen, get a paper to write some notes. We're gonna basically go through the first couple chapters there. But there in the ancient book of Hosea, it's gonna actually take us into the tribulation period. Fascinating. The Lord has prepared us. He has told us the end from the beginning. And he's showing us, he's he's growing us so that we actually have an appetite for the whole counsel of God and not these quick sound bites, not just the headlines. Where, who's the Antichrist and when are we getting raptured? And I don't want to hear or know anything else. The Lord is maturing us. He's bringing us into his word because that's where we're going to find life. We're going to find him. We're going to find who we are and what we're to do in these days and these times. So let's just say a quick word of prayer. Father God, we just come before you. I humble myself. We come and we humble ourselves um, at your feet. 
we ask right now that you would fill each and every one of us with a fresh pouring and filling of the Holy Spirit so that we might be able to hear uh, what you have to say to us specifically, what, what you're drawing us into, places where it's confusion or darkness or shadows would have to go in Jesus' name as the word of God comes and actually pierces, Lord. Um, and, and, and we start getting that revelation. We start hearing your voice more clearly through your word. And it actually calms us, Lord God. I pray for that calm and that peace that comes that surpasses understanding like your word says because we're grounded on, on the, the, in the word of God. We have a sure footing and it reveals to us who we are, but more importantly, who you are. And so let that happen, Lord, um, in this study. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. So um, when Hosea was prophesying, it was essentially to the northern kingdom of Israel. If you've been following along with us, we just went over first and second kings. You had all the nation or the tribes together unified into one kingdom under David and then Solomon, then it splits because of his sin. So you have the northern kingdom uh, that was called Israel and then the southern kingdom, which is called Judah. They're separated. And, and Hosea is prophesying the word of the Lord to the northern kingdom. So while he was prophesying to the northern kingdom of Israel, it was actually at the same time that Isaiah the prophet was prophesying to the southern kingdom of Judah. And we'll get into that next week. So Hosea and Isaiah lived at the same time. Now, um, what we're learning how to do in this study is not just get kind of a quick feel good kind of message and, you know, get me till the next one and, you know, uh, but we're learning. I want you, you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you. You are to go on your own, led by the Holy Spirit, who's your guide. Open up the word of God and let him teach you. Let him comfort you. Let him guide you into all truth that sets you free. So we're learning how to study in this study the Word of God. You can do it by yourself. This is, though, a key in Hosea chapter 12, verse 10. And it teaches us something. It teaches us how uh, the, a certain way that God speaks to his kids, how he teaches you and I. Um, and it says here in Hosea chapter 12, verse 10, God is speaking. He says, I spoke to the prophets. I myself multiplied visions and used similitudes um, by the ministry of the prophets. So similitudes, um, I had no idea what that word means, but this is a very easy way to uh, kind of remember and understand. So if God is speaking to his prophets and he's teaching you and I through visions, through the prophets and similitudes, which is gonna be seen in the book of Hosea, uh, similitude means similar to. That's all that it means, similar to. So what's the idea here? God would draw a picture, so to speak, to have us see something. He's trying to teach us. He's trying to grow us. Maybe he's trying to correct our wrong thinking. He's renewing us in our mind, right, with the word. And, and one of the ways that he does this through the prophets, because we're going to see this typology, we're going to see, you know, um, metaphors, you're going to see these terms and you're going, what are we doing here? God's drawing a picture so that he can speak to us. And he wants us to see something. He wants us to 
draw a spiritual analogy from these similitudes that he uses in all the various ways through his prophets. And Hosea is a great example of that because in the book Hosea, Hosea himself, God did speak in similitudes um, through Hosea's very life. His actual life became the story for you and for me to draw spiritual uh, uh, lessons and draw them out. Um, Literally, he, Hosea, the man, takes a wife, her name is Gomer, which is unfortunate, uh, Gomer, and, and God says, I want you to take this wife. And God knew that this woman, Gomer, he, he knew her heart. He knew the bent of this woman's heart. And he knew, Hosea, take her, let her be your wife. Your, your life is going to be a living picture of what I want to teach to my kids um, and show them and speak my messages through your life that, that this Gomer, his wife, that she would be unfaithful to Hosea. God knew this. God knew that she would um, actually leave Hosea, that she would actually become a a prostitute and prostitute herself out when she is in this marriage relationship with Hosea. God was going to use this to speak to Israel and how they had become unfaithful to God. They're pictured in in the the type, the, the, the picture here of Gomer. Um, And uh, we can also draw a life lesson from that for ourselves. But specifically, it's about Israel and God in this picture here. You see, God had taken the nation of Israel as his bride. He had blessed her. He loved her. Um, and, And what did she do? She broke that covenant. She broke that relationship. She turned away from God and went to other gods and to the things of this world, the, the lusts of the flesh, basically, running after those things. So in this relationship of Gomer and Hosea, Gomer conceives and has a son. And God tells Hosea to name him Jezreel. He says, name this first son Jezreel. And this is God telling him to do it. And that name Jezreel means to scatter. So the, the reason that God is saying what the names of the kids are is that he's actually, these are prophetic names. He's even teaching us and the children of Israel at that time what, what he's going to do. It was a prophetic word even in the naming of the children. So also it was a picture of what would happen in 721 BC when the Assyrians completely decimate the land And the 10 tribes in the north are actually scattered, Jezreel, never to be found again in the scriptures that we, not to present day, you know. Um, So they call them the 10 lost tribes. Um, So I do believe that God knows where they are and they will be found by him in these days. But that's the picture right there. Then Gomer has a daughter, but this child was not fathered by Hosea. So basically, Gomer had gone and and unified. She went and slept with another man. She bears a daughter, and God says, "Name her Lo Ruhama." This name speaks to the fact that she never knew a father's love. She never knew a father's mercy. That was the name that she was given. Then she has another son. Gomer has another son. Again, not 
fathered by Hosea. And this time, God actually says, call this son, call his name, Lo-Ami. And that literal meaning of that is not mine, not mine. So God says in chapter 1 of Hosea, verse 9, listen to this. For you, and he's speaking to Israel, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. You cannot get any darker in a prophetic word than God saying, I'm not your God, and you are not my people. It does not get more dismal or more dark than that prophetic word right there. I am no longer your God. That is what he says right here in Hosea 1.9. But then, what I want you to see in the very same place, we get one of the most incredible prophecies about God's future work in Israel. Right on the heels of it. So right where he says, I have no more mercy for you. You are not my people, Israel. And yet here, God says, the next verse, Hosea chapter 1, verse 10, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. Then you keep going in verse 11 with me. Shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, so they're united. They're united under one head in this prophetic prophecy, this word. And they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. This is who our God is. This is a prophecy of the glorious restoration of God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, His faithfulness on the nation of Israel that we've been tracking and following with. Many today will tell you, they, I have heard it spoken myself, that the church is spiritual Israel. That they interpret the New Testament and they exclude the nation of Israel from the grace and the mercy of God. That God is done with Israel. He is through with Israel forever because they rejected the Messiah. But we're diving into Hosea that speaks the exact opposite of that word. Paul tells us that we, we the church, have been grafted in. The church is not Israel. It is uh, not the church is not the fulfillment of God's promises that he made to Israel. God is not through with Israel. This prophecy in Hosea says that Israel, listen, one day will have one head. And this speaks of none other than Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah. His people shall become numerous as the sands and call, they will be called the sons of God. It's a picture of the, the, the literal physical people of Israel being reunited with God. Even in the darkest place, lo ami, where he says, you are not my people, God then will restore his work and his people in Israel. They will acknowledge Yeshua as Lord. God 
He is so committed to Israel in spite of her unfaithfulness. And this is the picture that we are going to see in Hosea that he's opening up for us. Praise God because he is merciful. Yes, he is just. And yes, he brings judgment. And that's what the prophets are going to be bringing us through. But then God always has this hope. He always, just let's keep going through the story. He's full of grace and he is faithful to his covenant. He is faithful to his word. So why do you care? People always ask, why do we care? Why are we studying about Israel? I will tell you why you care. Because first, God cares about Israel. So we care about the things that God cares about. Plus, if he is not faithful to the promises and covenants that he made with them, then how can you be assured that he will be faithful to the covenant and the promises that he has made to you and me who have been grafted in? So uh, Paul goes on. And he actually makes it clear in Romans 10 and 11 that he is relentlessly committed to us as well. So when you see this picture where Hosea, you know, this man actually takes this woman who then actually breaks covenant in the marriage relationship, prostitutes herself out, and he continually pursues her and loves her and brings her back in. What a beautiful, amazing an undone in that kind of love story that he has towards his people, Israel, his chosen people, Israel. But then also it's very clear for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He is relentlessly committed to you and me as well. So Israel, one of the things, and we're going to go through many of the things, the list that comes against, there's literally indictments that, that the prophets on behalf of God start making against, you know, the, the people of God and how they've broken covenant. We're going to go over that. But um, Israel, one of the things, and I think this one's really slippery because it seems so small and not a very big deal. Um, uh, but the idea of not being thankful, of, of gratitude. Um, listen. They failed to realize that their blessings had come to them from God. Again, you're thinking, okay, I mean, is that really one of the the bigger? It's huge. We forget. You and I forget. We're pictured here in Israel where our blessings actually come from. They come from the Lord. And the enemy knows that this is a weapon that God has put into our hands. When you wake up today and you start to feel kind of that quarantine, you know, uh, depression come over you and that spirit of heaviness or a spirit of fear or anxiety of the what ifs and the unknowns, the isolation, the loneliness, the depression, the, uh, you know, fear of, about, you know, finances and all of uh, sickness and and health, all of these kinds of things. The Lord, is when you are thankful, it's an actual weapon that God has given to us because it reminds you that every good thing has been given from him to you and I. And what Israel did here is they forgot and we forget too. And do you know that being unthankful is actually one of the signs that you are in the last days? Um, I, I remembered this as I was reading in Hosea. It's in 2 Timothy 3, um, and, and uh, it, this is in the New Testament. And he says, be sure of this. In the last days, hard times will come. Yes, people will love themselves. 
They are going to be proud. They will say wrong things about people. They will not obey their parents. And then it puts in the list of no love, of liars. They don't agree with anyone. There's no self-control. They commit adultery. They're, you know, all these kinds of things. It says they will not be thankful. You need to start being thankful. Start practicing it in your home. Wake up every morning. Thank you, God, that I'm alive. Thank you, God, for the blue sky that's outside. Thank you, God, for the sun that rose because you willed it. Thank you, God, that you have my heart beating and you have a destiny and plan for me because I'm still here. Thank you, God, and you start praising the Lord, recognizing the one who has given you the blessings that are in your life. But here... Israel has forgotten, forgotten where the blessings came from. Gomer says, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water and my flax and my oil and my drink. And we do the same thing. We take credit and we forget that God is our true source of blessing in our life. You know, we, we bank things on, you know, a strong economy or a weak economy. We bank things on, uh, you know, uh, my own ingenuity, my gifts and my talent, my hard work, um, you know, the things that I have created. Um, the, and then we take the very things that God has given to us and we turn and we start to use them against him. Israel, listen, here's the picture. They took the wine that God had given to them. Uh, they took the oil that God had given to them and they actually offer it as sacrifices to these other gods, um, idols, basically. Um, then they, they, you know, the pagan god Baal, they would take the silver that God had given them and the gold that God had given them, because there was a time of affluence at this point, and they actually would take them and make little idols out of the gold and the very silver that God had given to them. And don't we see this rampant? You, you have people who get all sorts of gifts from the Father above, and uh, they have a beautiful voice. And all of a sudden, you see these singers, and they're turning their songs, and the words that they write are actually have Antichrist spirit in them. It goes against what the Word of God says, and it goes against very God and His uh, existence in the songs that they write and the lyrics that they write. And it goes with writers, uh, the intellectuals, the people where money comes to them. God has given them the ability to, to have wealth come to them. And then what they do is they, they hoard it. Uh, they, you know, tax evasion and, uh, you know, oppress uh, the weak and, and the poor and, and use them. And, and I mean, it, but God is the one who gave it to them in the first place so that they might use it to help others and then turn and glorify their Father in heaven. So we see this rampant in our day. God says, I will take these things away from them in Hosea chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Israel forgot the Lord and went after other lovers. And it's pictured in Gomer, literally prostituting herself out because that's how God views it. We grieve his heart. We hurt his heart. We sadden God's heart. When we turn from a loving God and that relationship that's supposed to be only with him, where we only give our love and adoration and only worship him. And when we turn and we start going, and he says in his scriptures, it's a picture through Gomer, whoring after, prostituting ourselves after the things of this world. Um, the, the Lord says, they forgot me. They went after other gods. And now I'm going to take these things away from them. Hosea 2.14 says, Behold, 
I will allure her into the wilderness. He's speaking of Israel here. And speak comfortably unto her. Remember, I told you we were going to go into the last days, the tribulation period. This is where we start here. This is a prophecy of the time in the great tribulation when God's going to take a portion of Israel and actually protect them and bring them into the wilderness for three and a half years. It is prophesied here in the book of Hosea. Um, you have in Revelation 12, God will give them wings of an eagle that they might be brought to the wilderness place where they might be nourished for three and a half years. Jesus spoke about this. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, flee into the wilderness. It's a reference even here to Hosea right there. You have the prophet Daniel that we're going to also look at. Um, and, and this goes and takes us all the way into the tribulation period. Isaiah 26, I love this. It says that he will hide them until the tribulation is over and he preserves her, preserves Israel from the man of sin. That's talking about the Antichrist who is going to personify and actually be uh, filled with actually the devil himself um, coming against God's chosen people in those last days that we are so near. During that great tribulation period, God says, I will bring her into the wilderness and I will speak comfortably to her. He's going to protect them. He's going to be a shield around them. He, he's going to speak words of comfort to them, even though they've gone after all these other gods. See, prophecy speaks of the character of who our Father is and His love for us. And I love this. Okay, Hosea 2.15. He says, And I will give her vineyards from then, and the valley of Acre for a door of hope. The valley of Acre for a door of hope. Acre actually means trouble. Acre means trouble. But here in that valley, there's a door of hope. It was in the valley of trouble that Achan was stoned for taking the spoils when Jericho's walls came down in Joshua 7. Do you remember that? You have Joshua and he's leading the people of God and they're going into the promised land and they come to that fortified walled city, Jericho, and God miraculously, supernaturally, by his power, makes the walls come tumbling down and they weren't supposed to take the spoils and then Achan takes them, he buries them, he hides them, there's sin in the camp, trouble comes to the children of Israel, God tells them why and where it's coming from. This is that valley right here. And here's a little side note. The first fruits always belong to the Lord. So that's, that's one of the little lessons there. But this is that very place that God says, I'm going to bring them to that same place, Acre, but I'm going to bring them this time. There will be a door of hope. I love that, that same place, a door of hope. And then we keep reading. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, and as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. So after that great tribulation period, when the Lord returns, right? These people that, that came from the wilderness, they're going to make their way back to Israel, actually to Israel, through their way going through Acre, that same exact valley, a door of hope. So 
They will be singing as they did in the times of Joshua. See, God loves, this is why we have to go into the full counsel of God. This is why everything is important and relevant and has lessons for us. And what has happened in the past speaks to what is going to happen in the future because of the Hebraic way that God has written his story into our lives. The, the prophecies are, are not a end point and it's finished and done, but there's different revelations and layers till an ultimate fulfillment. So here you have this going through, again, it's one of those cycles. They will be singing as they did in the times of Joshua, as they come into the land that God had promised them, just as they did with Joshua long ago, with singing out of the wilderness because God has protected them in grace and in mercy from the man of sin, from the Antichrist. He's going to bring them back into the land that he promised to their forefather Abraham way back thousands of years ago. This is the faithfulness of God. This is who our God is. He is a wonder-working God. So it will happen again. They will be rejoicing in the future. Hosea chapter 2 verse 16 says, and it shall be at that day, says the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi. Thou shalt call me Ishi and shall call me Baali no more. I love this, Ishi. I don't think you're going to forget that word. Say it, Ishi. Ishi means my husband. Ishi means my husband. So Baali is just the plural form of the word Baal, Baal, okay? And that means master or Lord, but it's the pagan term for master or Lord, Baal is. So here the Lord says, in that day, after I've protected you from the man of sin, after he comes after you, after I've hidden you and I've lured you in the wilderness, and then I'm taking you back through that valley of acre, but there's gonna be a door of hope and I bring you out because I've spared you, I've provided for you, I've loved you, I've wooed you. I've gone after you after you have left me over and over again and been unfaithful. I remain faithful. And he goes, I'm bringing you through that door and you will rejoice again just as you did in the days of Joshua after I took you out of the bondage and the slavery of Egypt and the walls of Jericho came down and you were rejoicing and singing as you came into the promised land. This will happen again to you, Israel. This is his word that we're seeing here. And he says, you will no longer, you will no longer, you will, I will take out of your mouth the word Baal. You will call me Ishi my husband, when you are speaking and referring to me, you will not address me as a false God because you will know me intimately. And if you get nothing else, this is what God is wanting to do in this time for you and for me. He wants to bring us to a place of intimacy with him where we no longer understand him under false pretense and, and brokenness and, and, and bad you know, uh, demons of doctrine and, and, and uh, the traditions of men, but for who he really is. He wants and is your husband, Ishi. Hosea 2, 17 and 18 says, for I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth and they shall no more be remembered by name. And in that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth and will make them lie down safely. Isaiah refers to this. 
same passage. It's very famous when he says they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. God makes a covenant even for them with the animals. You guys, this is amazing. It says that a lion will eat grass like an ox. <laughs> the wolf will lie with the lamb. The wolf and the lamb. The wolf right now eats the lamb, but they will lie next to each other because of this covenant. The animal kingdom will be at peace. It says a little child will be able to put his hand to the, to the snake's uh, hole and not be afraid uh, of being bit. Uh, no more poisonous snakes. And it says a child will lead them. So you have the animal kingdom at peace. You have no more war. No more war. God will bring peace because he is the prince of peace. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he is going to reconcile all things back to that garden where we walked with him in the cool of the, the afternoon and nothing was separating. This is God is bringing that back. He never wanted heaven and earth to be separated. He's coming back. He says, and people will lie down in safety. This is what we long for. This is what we're made for. God has, I just love this. Fall in love with God. Fall in love with your true Ishi. Uh, that, that he has an undying love for this people, Israel. And when you start to see this, it makes you love him more. You, you know him better. You, you start walking more in that intimacy. And I want you to notice in this next scripture, the word betroth or betroth. I'll say betroth. Hosea, so listen for it. Hosea 2, uh, verse 19 through 20. And I will, this is God, I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercy. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness and thou shalt know the Lord. Jeremiah chapter three, verse eight, we will get there, but then this, this, because they all, you know, uh, weave together here and around this time period. But we read that God had given his people at this time, a single bill of divorce, that marriage relationship, because they kept prostituting themselves out. They kept going after the things of this world. And there's, there's gods behind that, meaning lowercase g, demons behind that, fueling that, the, the lusts of the flesh and not going after the things of God, breaking that relationship. So in Jeremiah 3.8, it says that God gave his people a single bill of divorce because she had committed adultery. But then look at this in Hosea and what God's going to do. Here, however, three times in those scriptures I just read to you, we see him, this is God, committing himself and betrothing himself to Israel once again in a covenanted marriage relationship. Stunning amazing, awe-inspired. Our God is an awesome God. Okay, Hosea 2, 21 through 22. I hope you are not bored. Let that appetite grow in you for the things of God. Let yourself start to be fed on what he has for you, the bread of life here. This is the word. Jesus is the living word. It shall come to pass in that day. I will hear, saith the Lord. I will hear the heavens and they shall hear the earth and the earth shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil and they shall hear 
Jezreel. So he's taking that name back here. And then verse 23, and I will sow her unto me in the earth and I will have mercy upon her. And I will say to them, which were not my people, thou art my people. And they shall say, thou art my God. So we're seeing the heart of the father. We're seeing uh, him and, and his promises that he remains faithful to uh, and, and this love relationship that he has with these people. We see God's unspeakable mercy um, as pictured in Hosea, you know, going and getting Gomer uh, back after she is unfaithful. Listen to this. In Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Hosea actually finds his wife, and this time she's in the town square, and she is walking the streets as a prostitute. This is Hosea's wife. She's a prostitute now, and he has to actually go and pay. Wait a minute. It's his wife. No. He has to actually go and pay 15 pieces of silver for her. And the sad thing is, is that this is half of the price of a slave in that day. And she was only worth half of the price of a slave. Her life of sin had evidently um, completely put her in a very deteriorated state. And that's what a life of sin and breaking covenant and running away from God does. And we're seeing that here in this story. Um, you know, but now we need to put ourselves also here into the story because the Lord Jesus Christ has purchased you and me, right? Not with silver, but with his blood. First of all, you were made by God. He is your maker. He created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in it. You are made in the image and likeness of God. But then he gave you this free will because love always has a choice and we ran away from him and we broke covenant and we went into sin and we prostituted ourselves out. And then God says, I love them and I don't want to be separated from them. So he sends his son, his perfect son in, in the flesh to come and actually purchase us back from sin, from death, from separation, from the devil and what his plans are for us and for the earth, which is to wipe us out and annihilate us and take the place of God. So he made you. And now he says, I bought you. God with Israel here, but then also with you and I. This is the story of redemption seen all the way back in the book of Hosea. He purchases us with his own life given in exchange for yours and mine. You are blood-bought. If you have said, I am a sinner, I have been separated, I have broken covenant, I have gone away from you, I don't know what this is, I need you, save me, and you apply the blood of Jesus over you, your life, your heart, and you ask him to take your sins and you live that exchanged life, then you are blood-bought. You have been redeemed. And we end here today in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. I love this. He says, come and let us return. This is the people speaking to God, okay? Come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. Uh, in verse 2, chapter 6, it continues. And two days will he revive us. And the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Peter 
he gives us an equation here. And he says in the New Testament, a day is as a thousand years to, I'm sorry, yes, a thousand years for us is as a day to the Lord. So this is an equation that Peter tells us. A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Hosea, right here, what we're reading in, in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, they say, two days he will revive us. And it's significant that Israel has remained almost 2,000 years without a temple, without a priesthood, without the sacrifices. That's actually talked about in one of the scriptures here in Hosea that God said, I'm going to make it so that you won't have priests and you won't have sacrifices anymore and the ephod's gonna be taken and you can read it in Hosea. So this has been true for some 2000 years since 70 AD when Rome came and Jesus told his disciples that they were going to come and that they were going to destroy the temple. Um, and, and that happened. In Hosea, it's prophesied in that what we just read, after two days, he will revive us, and in the third day, he will raise us up, and we will live in his sight. Third, the third day, you're gonna live in his sight. Third, a the third thousand year period, being when Jesus Christ rules and reigns on the earth in Israel, seated on the throne of David, just like it was prophesied to him, just as the redemption story goes all the way through into the tribulation period and you come out and we just did that with the children of Israel being protected and then coming through that valley of Acre where there's a door of hope and he leads them and they're singing and rejoicing because they're going back to Israel and they're calling God now, Ishi, you are a father and they're not in broken relationship with him anymore and they recognize Jesus coming from the line of David, sitting on the very throne there in Israel. And then this picture here, third day, he will raise us up and we will live in his sight. Remember, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. So you have this third day. We've gone through a 2,000 year period. We're on the brink of that, that third day where Jesus Christ comes back where he's ruling and reigning for a thousand year period, that third day where we live in his sight, as Israel is saying here, uh, that, that they're restored, they live in his sight, just as you and I will. We are fast approaching that day, you guys. It's happening, it's prophesied here in the book of Hosea. One of the biggest signs um, uh, that, that God's prophecies are coming true and in our time, in our day, is that Israel has, after being uh, scattered throughout the world for thousands of years, uh, literally has been brought back into the very geological place on the planet that we're talking about right here, only some 70 years ago, some 70 years ago. That was a prophecy that was spoken of in Ezekiel. We'll look at it when we get there. But God's word, we need to take him at his word. Believe that he is coming back very soon. The devil wants to take advantage of you right now in this crisis. He wants to take advantage of your family and your loved ones. He wants you to bring, come into agreement with a spirit of fear. When God is saying in his word and he's speaking to you right now, he has not given you a spirit of fear. And it is a spirit. You have actually power in him, love and a sound mind. God is in control when all else seems to be out of control. Uh, you know, and the thing is, he's working all things out 
for good towards those who love him. Do you love him? Do you know him as Ishi, as husband? Are you trusting him? Are you looking to him? Are you letting him guide you? You know, remember what it says here in Hosea, my people perish, they're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge of the word of God. And it's not talking about religion. It is not talking about a form of godliness, but then denying its power. That's also talked about in the end times. That it, it's, it's a relationship with a living God and you know his love and you, you trust him and you start to let him renew you and how you see things and, and you start to let him actually guide you and speak to you and transform you from the inside out. And your hope can't be taken or shaken. Uh, my people perish. They're destroyed for lack of knowledge. So this is the day. This is the time to know him, to really have an intimate level of understanding who God is and who he is towards you and for you to actually seek him with all of your heart um, to, to intimately know him to let the word of God dwell in you richly um, to to wait on him to spend time with him to be almost obsessed and thinking about him all the time like you do when you first fall in love it's a picture. That's the, the type that we're seeing here. Um, the future has already been revealed. So let's just close our eyes and end in a word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, um, we need you. We need to know you for who you truly are as you've revealed yourself to us through Jesus. We're, we're literally, we're that picture where we kept going to, to um, the gods of this world, the, the, the you know, sin, the flesh, and, and uh, what the devil has for us in exchange for what you have. Um, and then that love where you, you gave your life for us. Lord, let this um, change us. Um, let us understand uh, this love in, in another uh, capacity. Enlarge us, Lord. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're so dull in our hearing and understanding, and we need knowledge of you. We need intimate knowledge of you. We need relationship with you. We need to be filled with your, fill us with your spirit, Lord God. Give us an appetite for your word, and let us be not in fear, Lord God, but um, walking in this day um, for this next harvest season and outpouring of your spirit, with boldness and in peace, Lord, the peace of God, um, connected and abiding in you. And we ask this thing, these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So um, thank you for uh, spending time diving into his word with me. Next Tuesday, we are going to be looking at um, Isaiah. And so uh, if you want to read with me chapters 1 through actual chapter 33, 1 through 33 in the book of Isaiah. And we're going to be doing one kind of big overview into that wherever the Lord wants to lead us um, as we uh, will not be Bible ignorant, but we will be submitted to the word of God and led by him and his spirit. God bless you guys. <music>